During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. What's up, everybody? Welcome to your kind of funny Gamescast bonus episode for January 2017. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside Chris Tilton. Hello, Greg. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Chris, you are here because you're working in the video game industry. You're publishing a new game. You started your own studio. You've done stuff for music and sound and movies and all sorts of crazy stuff. But above all, you're a friend. You're a friend, I want you to know. Thank you, Greg. And I want to get into all that, but first I need to explain a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. So... I call it the Kind of Funny Gamescast bonus episode. If you've been too busy, ladies and gentlemen, with your lives, I understand. The idea for 2017 is we've changed the way we're doing the exclusives. Now, bonus episodes of the Gamescast and Game Over Greggy show go live on their respective Patreons last Sunday of the month as usual. Then the next month, the final Sunday, when a new exclusive or a new bonus episode goes live, it goes live for everybody. So if you're seeing this in February, at the end of February or March even, you could have had it way, way earlier if you would have supported us on Patreon for a dollar or more. Not that I'm giving you the hard sell. I'm just trying to explain stuff to you, okay? Great. Hey, Chris. Hi. How are you? Good. Who are you? How do you explain yourself to somebody who's, for the first time right now, people are finding out about Chris Tilton. What do you say? Oh, goodness. Well, if it, let's, when it comes to our game, you know, I, did, I started a studio uh, about four years ago called Exploding Tuba, mm-hmm. and we are making our first game. Uh, we're called? Called Divide. Divide. And we're at our most we we're, we're run a pretty lean ship. You know, at our most we were about six seven people. Yeah. You know, we're usually about four people. So we've been working on this game a long time, uh, and we're excited that it's finally coming out. January thirty first. January. So if you're listening 31st. to this as it posts as an exclusive on the kind of funny games yeah, so, cast feeds. So this is January thirty first on PlayStation Four. Hell in, yeah! In the U S. Uh, we will be translating. Soon after that, to go, we're everywhere we can. Sure. And we will also be making a PC version as well that will be coming out soon, soon too. We don't have a date for that, though. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Trust me, the internet doesn't care about dates. They never never yes. get you on that one. <laughs> um, talk to me about what is Divide, because I know about it. When you guys sent over the stuff, obviously, I've been following you on Twitter and everything else like that. But when I started seeing trailers about it, I'm like, this looks like a Greg game. But what is it? Divide is a story-driven character-driven action-adventure game. Uh, It's an isometric game, you know, the Mm top-down view. mm -hmm. And we wanted to make a sort of a sci-fi character-driven game that was, uh, that had a story and characters you cared about and a story you could get, uh, that you cared about and a world that you can get lost in and learn about. But also was a game that had systems and and some combat and some exploration uh, that you were actually going around doing stuff. It wasn't just about progressing the story. Uh, It's, it's, uh, we wanted to do two simultaneous things. Where it's a game that with characters, but also it's a game that you can kind of just wander around and explore. Almost, uh, j- our lead designer uh, J.D. Strog uh, coined a good term. It's kind of like a sci-fi dungeon crawl. Okay. Uh, but it's not. It's not like a like a Diablo kind of thing where you're just hacking and slashing. It's and more. It's a much gear. more slow-paced uh, exploring thing. And there is combat, but it's a lot more uh, deliberate and. You know, things get a little bit, can get pretty hairy pretty quickly with the combat. Well, this is what I was talking about, you know, based even on the trailer and then just reading about it, is the fact that, you know, for me, a Greg game is a story-driven game. I always talk about that. I'm a story whore. That's what I, why I play video games, right, and why I choose them over movies or TV shows when I get home. It's because I want to experience it that way. I want to be actively participating in the story as it unfolds. So watching, you know, even just the trailer going around, picking up documents, trying to piece together what's happening, I'm like, yeah, okay, that sounds great. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing we wanted to do. Um, we we wanted a game that that you could spend a, pl- that's a lot of time playing just with the mechanics of the game itself, but also it's all going towards a, a story that you can get invested in, and it's not just about the mechanics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I want to do now is dial the clock back, okay. way back, all right, all right? When did we first meet, Chris? I think we first met probably... 
one of the GDCs when mm-hmm. you were still when you were doing uh, podcast beyond, right? Uh, and I know we did do. I don't know. You ran. We ran into each other at one point, and you were doing like a going around talking to people podcast with yep. your little recorder. Yep. And we did something. I don't remember what year this is. It was probably like 2008. Something it was like Podcast Beyond when I used to do the GDC roving things. It was at Steph's bar, yeah. and you and I hung out with Tina. And I know this because I still have the photo, and I see the photo <laughs> all the time. I'll put it up here. Six eleven. I have not seen he that. He said photo without since ever writing a note. Oh, well, you'll see it now when you watch this episode. Okay. But that was the thing. In like. <sighs> The reason we met up then, right, is because you were in the industry, but you were a legit fan, right? Wasn't yeah, that the deal? I, I posted on the IGN message boards a long, you know, a long time ago, and just uh, I, you know, I've been in the industry. I've been playing video games, you know, since I was about seven or eight, and uh, and I had been doing music for uh, some TV and 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 some video games at the time. I didn't know that eventually I would go to develop my own game, sure, but. Uh, but yeah, just video, the video game industry and the, and where we can take video games as far as storytelling goes, I think has tremendous potential and there's still so much more to come. I think, I think it's nice in the last few years that games have paid a lot more attention to crafting good stories and characters. Uh, it's been very encouraging that people are receptive to that. And I just, I know there's even farther places that we can go and I'm excited to, to keep exploring that. See, that's what I love about your story is that here you are now a founder of a studio putting out your first game, but you, for me, were one of, before we called them best friends, one of the first best friends, like you were a community member. I knew you through the boards and the blogs. It wasn't like you were coming in and I met you doing a dev tour or whatever. It was the fact that we had actually talked beforehand just through, Oh, Hey, we're talking about what's happening at IGN and what's video games we like and all that stuff. Yeah. And I, and I think it was largely just because I'd been going to message boards and hanging out and, Things that I was interested in ever since you know the I could get my hands on the internet back in college, like when when IGN was called n64.com, yeah, I believe, yeah, yeah. is when I was when I first made it there. And eventually, you know, you just they had the blogs, the message boards, and it was it was just a fun time. So now, dialing me back even further, what's your first exposure to games? Oh, that would probably be like a na- a neighbor, a next door neighbor who had an Atari 2600 and a Commodore 64. Ooh, they were rich. Uh, they certainly bought their son all the game systems. Uh, I didn't get many. I think I got, uh, I got like my, I got the Nintendo Entertainment System probably like in around 1988. Uh, you know, other, other friends had it and I, and I remember just really liking it. And I think, but I think what really changes is when, when I got for, for the Super Nintendo and I got Final Fantasy 2, AKA Final Fantasy 4. Yeah. And I, I was, you know, I, I, I was playing the piano then, you know, taking regular piano lessons, and I was starting to get into soundtracks and things like that. But just when I saw, not not only was was uh, Final Fantasy a game that was just a huge world and story and full of characters that I could explore often at your own pace, and just there's always things to discover, but just like the score itself was just something I had not heard in a game before. And I was like, how, how can this be coming? It's, you know, it wasn't, it was symphonic-like and very cinematic and it was stuff that was not often done in video games because a lot of a lot of video game music were almost like little mini pop songs yeah. that would just sort of play. Bleeps like, and bloops, here you go. Yeah, not, but they were good, but they were not like uh, character themes that were mm-hmm. helping to tell mm-hmm. a specific story. They were more like, like, like in a Mega Man game, it's like really the music is there just to be cool, awesome music for you to play to go shooting robots yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. too. It wasn't like, there was no like commentary on Mega Man's character with the music <laughs> or anything like that. So when that happens... Final Fantasy 2 slash 4 happens for you. Is that the first time you really feel the hooks of video games applying to your other passion? Because you're you're a composer by trade, right? Like, do you discover music and that love before you ever discover video games? No, well, I mean, I discovered video games, but it was, you know, probably a few years in when when Final Fantasy 2 came out. And then that's when I started discovering my love of video game music. I mean, even going back to like Super Mario Brothers 2, uh, I was just like, oh, it's so awesome that when you go into the little, the little mirrored world yeah. uh, with the little dark thing and it plays like the original Mario theme. Like I used to take my little tape recorder and put it up next to the speaker and record it because it was just no other way to listen to it other than to get to that part. Make your own time. really bad rips. And, and I, uh, I used to rent Super Nintendo games and record. Like a lot of them had sound tests then and I would just record them to cassette tapes. Sure. 
and just listen to them whenever, like while doing other things. So then, so do, would you say your love of music was your first passion? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, did you find video games first or music first? I would say I found music first because yeah. uh, I, I started, my parents had a piano that no one really played and I just sort of started banging around on it and eventually I took lessons. Uh, my dad listened to a lot of classical music and Vangelis music. So like those were the things I sort of heard early influences, in life yeah, yeah. and those are still influences now. But, uh, you know, at the time when, when I finally started to write, to write music in, in, I don't know, my freshman year, sophomore year of high school. Yeah. You know, most, most of the games I was interested in were coming from Japan. So just like the idea of being a professional video game composer was not, was not really something that seemed like plausible. that you could do or yeah. even plausible. It's like, oh, you have to live in Japan and be Japanese and work for these companies to do this. And, you know, and I also, you know, got into film soundtracks and it was like, well, that, that's what I should try. I want to try and do because I, I just love film scores. Now, things have branched out way since then. You know? Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, TV scores are, are getting bigger and more varied. Video game scores are getting bigger and more varied. Um, so I feel like, you know, I haven't, like, scored a big movie, but I don't really care because there's, there's, there's so many interesting things well, you outside of that. And that's the thing, though. You've scored so much cool stuff, though. You ha I mean, yeah, well, okay, you haven't done a big movie, whatever. Yeah, but I mean, done I've worked on them for, you know, Michael Giacchino, who I worked, worked for for a number of years, who just you know has has gone on to do many big movies, yeah. and I've worked on them in some capacity or other. You know, I was his assistant for a while, so I got to be part of those big projects, and those were certainly big learning experiences. Uh, that certainly, certainly working on those projects helped me do this game. Sure. What are the big things you think you've worked on when you talk about your career as a composer? What do you what jumps off the page? Well, I think a lot of uh, I did uh, most of the music for the TV show Fringe. I think a lot of people recognize that. Oh yeah. But I also did. <laughs> Uh, the SimCity reboot yeah. music. Uh, I I did uh, almost all the single player main story stuff for Assassin's Creed Unity. So see, fuck movies. You work <laughs> awesome games. <laughs> yeah, and plus, also, I'm just like I like movies a lot, and but I I love I love the idea of being able to be an active participant in a in a in a. You can explore a story and characters in a way that you can't. In TV and sure. In movies. Sure, 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 sure. You, you get more time with the character. Yeah, right? you it's get, like you have can, more of a connection. if you could imagine, like even a movie that you really liked. Imagine if it was a game, it wouldn't be this five-minute scene that took place in this location. You'd get to explore this location yep. and like look at all the things in the room that that you know the set designers spend all this time like creating a room that you get to spend like two to five minutes in in a movie. But in a game, you get to fully explore it and really dig into like all of the detail that, uh, that they, that they put into those things to really fill out the world and the characters that inhabit the world and stuff. So again, we're getting, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I'm sorry. We're That's still, okay. we're still, the clock's still dialed back. Freshman year, you start writing your own stuff. You, you, well, you can't move to Japan. You're going to go do movies. You're going to go do TV kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I just started writing stuff on piano and eventually I got a computer and I could start writing like synthesizer stuff that had more orchestral things that, you know, sure. I couldn't do on just the piano by myself. And, and I don't know, I just sort of, I didn't, I didn't have any concrete plan of what I was going to do. I just said, I love doing this, so I'm just going to pursue writing music and I, li I like doing it. And I wasn't, I wasn't sure, you know, if I was going to end up doing movies. I wanted to, but you know, I just sort of went where things went. And so here we I, are. <laughs> that's the thing. Talk to me about that because I feel like we've done, you know, I, you know, if you include up at noon and IGN, I've talked developers ears off about how they figured it out. Voice actors have figured it out. You're so interesting to come. You're, you're a part of the industry, let alone a profession. I really haven't touched and caressed like this. So when you start noticing that, like, what what is the first step to becoming a, a composer, like, on that level to do that kind of thing? You know you like it, so then are there, is there classes? Is there, is it your major? Is it summer camps? I don't, where, where do you go with that passion? What did your, when you tell your parents this is something you want to do, do they help? Do you have to figure it all out on your own? Yeah, they were very supportive when I said I wanted to be a composer, and I just, I went, I went to college and majored in music composition. Okay. I mean, the, the same thing, like, if you want to be a writer, you just, you, you. You, you major in, in writing or sure. English or some sure. or some kind of thing. And then, you know, you get a good foundation and then you explore your interests that are that are outside your major on your own. And you okay. just sort of figure it out. I mean, a lot of the, especially the video game industry, a lot of it is you just got to learn yourself and figure it out. Well, that's the thing. So you go to college, you get this. At what point 
does do video games come back into the picture as like, oh, this is actually feasible. This I don't need to move to Japan to be Japanese. Well, I think by that time, because in college, that was when uh, I discovered Michael Giacchino's music because he did uh, the music to the Medal of Honor games. Gotcha. And I had those soundtracks and I thought they were awesome. And it was like live orchestral video game soundtracks were something I had wanted to see happen for a long time especially with like the Final Fantasy series. They were so mm, symphonic, mm. but they spent a long time before they actually got live musicians in there, which were always really important to me because I, I feel like live musicians bring bring something to the table that, that synthesizers do not, you know. And They so, fill out a room better, you think? Is it just can you feel their emotion? Yes. It's, you know, it, it's, I think it's the equivalent of like when you hire an actor like to be a voiceover, you wouldn't want to splice... Uh, all the lines from the game from like samples of things that that actor has said mm, before, mm. you want him to come in and bre- and specifically read for this character and give his interpretation of this character. And it's the same thing with the musicians. It's like you can sample like a D, a D flat, a C <laughs> over and over again, but none of those lines were, when you craft like a melody or like not even just a melody, but even a genre or a style of music, when the musicians get it, like, oh, okay, I get what this is, then they all play a certain way and they play together and something comes out of it that's greater than the sum of the parts, I gotcha, think. Like, gotcha, Like, a big part of an orchestral sound comes from the fact that the musicians are all in the same room together playing and all these sound waves are hitting each other and bouncing off each other and mixing and, like, that's the sound that gets created. And I was really cool to see, you know, Michael Giacchino was one of the first people to bring, he's not the first, but he was one of the first people to bring, like, fully orchestral soundtracks to video games. And I, I, you know, it was like, okay, I got to contact this guy. And so when I graduated, I moved out to L.A. and I became his assistant. So I knew that it was feasible. Okay, okay. There were, well, there were the, Americans how, writing music. How did the contact go? You're like, oh, well, degree in hand, moving to L.A., knock on the door, I'm here. Like, what? Well, okay, so it was the earlier days of the Internet, and he actually had his email address in the liner notes of the soundtrack. Uh, which no longer works, so don't go trying to find it. Um, uh, and I just emailed him one day. Cool and, music and, dude and, and at AOL.com. And he, you know, like a, a few weeks passed and he got back to me and I sent some stuff to him and he listened to it. And then I came out here, to, not here, but on the, to L.A. The coast. Uh, during my spring break to just sort of scout out apartments and stuff. And I was able to say, hey, to meet with him for lunch and just chat with him. Nice. And so basically, I just, once I moved out here, I just sort of hung out and then he got the TV show Alias and needed an assistant to do work. And so I was like, all right, let's go. So, I mean, a lot of the work ended up starting to be TV stuff, but he still kept doing video game soundtracks. So I got to be part of the process of creating those things and just learning how how you do it. Because, you know, I didn't, there was no... There was no literature you could read about the process of scoring a video game soundtrack because you know you have to work a lot with what the audio engine can do and and the different kinds of transitions it can make. You know, things are a lot more powerful now, but it was really hard to have music that did anything but start and stop in yeah, games. Yeah, back then. yeah. So now you're talking about that and how things have changed. Now are there those books? Are there those resources? Are there like here's how you would score a video game or compose for a game? I, you know, I haven't looked into if there's actual books, but certainly there's resources online yeah. and people just talking about the process a lot more openly now, Gotcha. especially with, you know, shows like yours and stuff like that, where you bring people on and just talk about, talk about video games. Well, I mean, that's the, like that. that's the big thing for me and why I was so excited to have you on, aside from the fact that I know you're awesome and, and you know, the game looks good. Don't, don't fuck it up. Uh, is the fact that. I love the idea that there is someone out there listening to this who has a similar thing, who loves music and would love to do that, but doesn't know how to do that. And that's why I like bringing people in. And the fact of like, have you seen that in the years that have happened since uh, you're you, you getting involved and coming out here and doing all the stuff to where you are now, where uh, is it similar to games journalism or games press media where when I was trying to do it and I was going to school for it and I, in journalism classes, they say, what's your favorite magazine? And I say EGM and they'd laugh and I was like, well, that's what I want to do. Like now every, like, there's so many resources, there's so many people, everyone wants to do it. Is it a similar thing where now there are people coming out of college and wanting specifically to make video game music to compose for that? I mean, I, I, w- I would think so. I have no idea what the numbers would be, but, but, but certainly with the explosion of indie games, mm. you get, you get a lot of, you know, people in their garages just who just want to make something, and it's like, well, we could make a game, and then, and then you get you get people who who haven't like who have their own sort of 
perspective on it or even even and i don't mean this in a bad way like naive perspective like this is just what i think and they they have no ideas what the rules are so they just go and make something that they think is cool sure. and we end up getting interesting off the wall i think new ideas yeah right? yeah, yeah, yeah okay so uh, yeah i think I, th- I think there's there's resource it is kind of like the video game press it was just like how, how do you how do you become a a, a video game uh, press person it was such a niche niche thing like you couldn't really compare it fully to like a journalist at a newspaper who right. covers like politics or something. It was just, it was very different. Yeah. And, and now, and now there's, it's still, it's still very hard. I mean, it's, 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 as you know, it's very challenging and competitive to do what you do. It's very yeah. challenging and competitive to do what I do. There's a lot of people that want to write music, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. Well, I feel like even what, when you talk about it and when I think about what we do and then I think about development, the key thing is there is like democratization, right? The fact that, well, there are a million tools now that you can get off of GarageBand, and you can have your own YouTube channel right now. And for ninety-nine bucks, you are an iOS developer. Like it's that easy to jump in and get your feet wet and try to figure it all out now. Yes, but then, and that doesn't necessarily mean what you're going to make is is good either. Sure, sure. It means like the tools are much more readily available, which is a good thing because it means people can experiment to see if they even like doing doing these kinds of things. Uh, but then another thing is, uh, I went to school and majored in composition and got a pretty solid background in music composition. And I've been working for a composer who scores lots of films and I got to see, uh, really the nuance of like what it really means to score a film and what the music really needs to be doing. It's not just writing music that sounds cool. It's really dialing into character motivations. What does this scene need? from from the composer and making sure you write that yeah no and that's this and that's a great uh, a great point to what i was saying is the the fact that the same way way with us right of like when we jumped to do kind of funny we were concerned that well will anyone care still work with us if we're not ign but what we didn't realize is that everyone knew we were taking that expertise and ethical quality with us where it wasn't going to be like we were just some weird ragtag YouTube who who the hell just came up out of nowhere and does whatever the hell they want says whatever the hell they want and doesn't think about the consequences whereas we've been working in the industry forever and we know how to talk to people and how to cultivate a relationship and how to be fair and how to actually come through and not like a game but not have it be that we don't like the company or something yeah I think I think that that's that's a that's a good a good point. It's like you, you didn't come into this, you came into this knowing how this industry works and you got a lot of experience, like you said, with just the ethics of just, you know, journalism, just general, general, you know, journalistic ethics yeah. and things like that. And, uh, and, and also just how it works and what's appropriate, what's not appropriate and stuff. So, I mean, it feels like that would be very different if you had not, if you all had not had all this experience right. and just started out and, and look, and that's not to discourage from people starting out. You should, oh God, no, it's yeah, the totally. only way to learn stuff is like, it almost seems like a good process would be to start out trying something, get your feet wet, then work for someone uh, who has a lot of experience, yeah. learn a bunch of stuff, then go out on your own and do something. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you know, to your point, you know, I was just doing a AMA video for the channel today where something, the question comes up of like, what's the advice if you, we wanted to do what you want to do? And the answer is always the same, right? Of You have to do it. You have to go out. This is all a muscle. It's it, I know it seems easy to think about just sitting down and talking and you film it and it's great, but you're worried about your breaths on in the mic. You're worrying about stammering. You're worrying about thinking about where the conversation's going. That's all stuff you learn as you go. So you need to go out and make the mistakes, the little things, go and record things off your TV and then start trying to piece them together, adding them back and forth. I imagine. Yeah. I, you know, the easy, the, the most readily available thing is just like, if there's something you're interested in, whether of a video game development, whether it's the music or design, like pick a game you really like and just try to, try to figure out why you like it mm. and what, what works for you and yeah. like, or, or why do they make this decision? You know, uh, start just thinking about thinking about, you know, all of the things you see in games, like there's, there's often a reason why it's this way. Even if it's, if, even if you don't think it is the right, you're the right <laughs> way in your mind, there was some reason why it had to be that way. Exactly. For exactly. Whatever the circumstances were and, and learning about those, I think gives you, gives you a little bit of a leg up than just sort of going and being like, well, I just like talking in a microphone. Sure, sure. Yeah. Or I just like doing this, but you know, sorry, I'm starting to ramble here, but go ahead. Oh, really? On a podcast? That's kind of funny. I never would have (laughs) expected that at all. Um, So then how hard is it 
to go in and score a video game because I feel like not that I'm saying movies are easy obviously but the fact of the matter is the movie looks the same to every person so you know when to put a beat in here you know how to do this you know how to play with emotions whereas yeah video games it could be that I spend 30 minutes walking around an environment and expecting everything and getting every little detail or I spend the three minutes in there shooting everything finding this and going on to the next point you know objective yeah I mean that's something that, that that just happens a lot where you're like uh, you know, you, and you're sometimes asked like, "Don't make the music too noticeable," and then it's just boring. And then, or you know, you you experiment with a lot of things. Like a lot of it is just experimenting. It's like, yeah, someone can spend a half an hour here, and someone can spend two minutes. Yeah. So, but you want the music to be effective in either circumstance. So it's just a lot of experimenting uh, with just trying to see what works. And and now now that we have uh, better ways to make audio systems that can transition to different pieces of music. Like, like our game divide has a music system where I put markers in exactly where the music is allowed to transition. Where like, mm. if you're in the middle of this melody, it can't go on to the like lower intensity or different version or next section until it gets to this point. Gotcha. And you know, a lot of games do that. Like firewatch did that, like the opening in firewatch when you're, um, when you're playing through the little prologue, you're yeah, making you're the sections. The, text off the, the music is looping, and then you can take your time. But then, when you get to a certain point, it says, "Okay, move on to the next section." But it waits till a musical spot that I assume Chris Remo has designated as yeah. a spot that makes sense. And so, you know, the music changes without, and it feels like it was it was always supposed to be done that way. Sure, sure. And and those are and tools to do that are just a lot better now than than they used to be. You bring up Chris, friend of the show, does good work. Is for video game composers, is that a small circle where you guys all do talk and interchange and exchange ideas? You know, we is there don't, a GDC for composers? There <laughs> isn't. I, I, in fact, I, when I if I run into other composers, it's often a GDC. You know, where composers have to kind of work in their own little cave by themselves a lot of the time, and so we don't really get out much to like talk to each other. That's also, why you like also, boards so much. also, composing is very, you know. There's one composer on a project, usually. Sometimes there's more. Yeah. And, you know, there's not a lot of projects necessarily. And there's a lot of people that want to write music. It's very competitive. And so sometimes, you know, I don't know, sometimes you don't want to, you kind of want to do your own thing. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. You, I'm, I'm assuming you it's, want to sound different too. You want to stand out in a good way. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great people in the video game industry, composers that I've met, but it's also competitive. You know, we're, we're often sending in demos for the same project and mm, one of us mm. may get it one of us you know may not you know so but that's just the way it goes I, I think you get over that as the longer you stay in it yeah now that's interesting you talk about sending in demos for different for the same project or whatever i've never ever thought about that how does that work for fire for game x game i'm developer x i'm making a game uh, do i put out the demo into the composers I trust or do you hit me up for how's that any, I don't know uh, it's you know there's there could be any variety of circumstances for a big game if they don't have someone specific in mind that you know a lot of people you know if they've worked with you before yeah and they had a good working relationship that's that's going to be more incentive for them to hire you back uh you know if they don't if they want something different a lot of times they will go to an agency and say hey mm. we're looking for this kind of vibe what composers do you have over there that do this kind of thing or and and sometimes they will ask for stuff that you've already done. Sometimes they will ask for a demo. Okay. Like in the case of Assassin's Creed Unity, you know, I got video footage that I got to write to and they had some specific, we need a piece here, 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 here. Uh, these are the kind of, we want it to be electronic uh, with, you know, some orchestra hybrid. You know, we want us the sci-fi element that that's in the Assassin's Creed games to be prevalent in the more, more in the score than it has been in previous, previous scores. And then, and they said, we, you know, we've listened to a lot of A, B, and C. Okay. And then I just give my interpretation of that. And if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. You know. Sure. And, this, and then eventually, eventually, you know, you can take it personally early on. <laughs> but you know, I made this. This is my art. And, and you know, and it's actually given me a whole new perspective. Do running exploding tuba and doing sure. this game because suddenly, uh, your decisions aren't aren't this is bad and this is good it's like this is right and this is not right for this project it's like it's my job to make sure that we're all on the same page of the vision and we're all achieving the vision and we're we're all deciding what that vision is going to be and then making sure everything we put in it goes to, towards that so when we say oh we don't want that it's just not that it's not good it's just that that's not right for this game that's not what this project is yeah gotcha. so so you know a lot of it 
so I, I sort of understood. I think that's kind of made me a better composer in a way yeah. because it's like, okay, I really, you know, when I started doing some other projects after I started doing this one, like I've, I've done some uh, work still in, you know, I did Assassin's Creed Unity while we were starting development on this game. And just, I think working on that game, you know, I, I, think I felt I was better able to try to see what they were going after and making sure that I tried to deliver that for them. Sure. So then talk to me about how exploding two becomes to be. Cause I feel like I'm, I, I've dropped out. I, I got kind of busy the last few years, yeah, so, so I might've missed part of it. I don't, when did you go from like, I'm composing and this is great to, I want to start a studio. Well, it was right around, uh, right around when fringe was ending its, its run. And I was, and the indie game scene was starting to take off and it was like, Oh, it's feasible for a small group of people to make a game and put it on a console, mm, mm. which was not possible yeah. for the longest time. Uh, and, and then I just, I just said, well, we, if we're going to, you know, our lead designer, uh, JD Straw and I, we went to college together. He, he worked at Telltale and a bunch of other companies and we all kind of had our own separate paths and careers. Sure. And it, we've always wanted to make a game together. And we were like, well, this is the opportunity. This is the time to do it. So let's just do it. And then we just said, all right, let's just, we'll do it. And we just did. So <laughs> oh, it was that simple. Okay. It wasn't that simple. It's hard, but you know, yeah, that's the thing is you, that, you just got to do it. I guess similar to how, if you would have asked me five years ago how you start your own company like kind of funny i would have no real idea either but like how do you go about what when you see so you guys are just shooting the shit over beers one day and you're like let's do it and then it's like what you file a company papers and get an office or you work we all work from home we all okay. work remotely we had a lot of like uh, google hangouts or sure, skyping sure. or whatever and and that's just kind of how we worked it. We kept it, kept it lean. Every, uh, there was like plans. Maybe eventually we'd have office space, but everybody kept moving around. And so it was just, it was working fine to just have everybody remotely. You know, there were a couple of days where it was be like, Oh, you know, it'd be great if we were on the same room to, to, we're trying to describe certain things. Sure, to each other. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If I just had a big whiteboard in here and everybody was in the room, it'd be great. But you know, for the most part, it's worked fine working remotely. And you certainly can save a lot of money doing that. If you want to make a project like people, people do that where, People are in another country. I'm like, yeah. I haven't even our animator and, and environment artist. I've never met them in person. Yeah, 2017. They live out in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Seattle's not even that far. You could get there. Come on, I stop know. Slacking off. We're gonna Go have to, to. We're gonna have to set up a meeting after we're finally done with this thing. So. And so then is divide the game that you had at the start. Is that what you? Was it that you wanted to make a studio, or was it that you wanted to make this game? I wanted to make a game. Okay. I wanted to make a character-driven game that was a game. I didn't want to make. You know, there were people that were doing well at making. Uh, the walking simulator. Well, the well, that that well that more more so. I'm thinking like. Uh, adventure games that were heavily story mm, and it was okay. more it was more like an interactive story sure uh, whereas then there were games and it was like the story was just kind of there just to give a little bit of context to what you were doing but it wasn't like a full-fledged thought-out uh, uh, this story. is why this is happening it's just like all right cool yeah, here's these, a reason you're killing 30 robots in this room here you go uh, yeah so a lot of it just came out of just like no one's making games like that I want to see like I want to see games where you can spend time exploring a world, but there's also characters that you care about and you're driving a story forward. Uh, you know whether that's a mystery or some other thing. Yeah. And it's like we were getting them very rarely. I think when Last of Us came out, I was like, okay, this is the kind mm. of thing I want to see more, where the story is t starting to tie into the gameplay, where like the desperation in 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 what was happening in the gameplay was related to the story and the narrative and the characters motivations. Yeah. It wasn't like like a game where it says, well the game the story is about this, but the game does is gameplay is doing something totally different from, you know, the, they always talk about narrative dissonance and yeah, all yeah. that stuff. But so yeah, that was that was kind of the impetus and I was just like I want to make a game that's kind of doing things that people aren't really doing yet. I, I want to see a story driven game that there's a game I, with mechanics I can get involved in and, and master and stuff like that. How hard was it then to come up with divide? And that's what this is. Uh, it was more just an organic process. It was just like, I just started with an, I, a couple of just very broad stroked ideas. And then it was just like, well, if we're, you know, it was just, uh, I, I, the, the original idea was just like, what if what if you spent some time in a game where it was like an adventure game you were spending some time with your family and then suddenly you get ripped away into like an unfamiliar world and you have to find your way back to them 
but we actually spent a little time with the family so you could actually miss them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and that was just, that was the very, very start of it. And it was like, okay, well, if we're going to send them to this fantastical world, what is it going to be like? What is the connection to the world, to our familiar world? And yeah. you just start developing, you know, world building stuff. And then you start, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to have some combat. I wanted it to be more methodical. I didn't want it to be going in a room and killing a bunch of guys. Because one thing I can't stand is when the hero is supposed to have some sort of heart of gold or, or meaningful, he's saving someone, but meanwhile he's murdered hundreds of people. Oh, the Nathan Drake syndrome. Yeah, I mean... 3,000 I mean, pirates had to die well, for me to get it, down there. Right, though Uncharted is, you know, that's a popcorn movie. I know, it's pulp, it's pulp action, don't get me wrong, but it is always but a I joke felt like, of like... I felt like The Last of Us was addressing that problem. 100%. By, instead of not making you kill a bunch of people, well, let's what kind of story would have to be tied to a game in which you are brutally killing people? In the way that that weighs on the character. Yes, that's that the thing we always yeah. talk about. Like for me, um, I always talk about where Dead Space Two I thought was such a great and refreshing opening. Of all right, cool. You're Isaac, the badass from the first game, and you are in a mental mental institution because you are completely broken based on all the horrors you just went through, all the horrible things you've seen, and that's where it is like the the thing with Nathan versus like Joel, where it's like Joel, like you know, when you choke somebody out in that game and they claw at you, like the camera comes in, so you feel how fucked up this situation is. Whereas, yeah, Drake's just like, da, 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 da. All right, Elena, let's right. go. And ha. I think there's a place for both those things. Yeah. But there's a lot of the there's a lot of the, the popcorn things and not enough of the, the, the dramatic, meaningful uh, narratives in tying into gameplay. 100%. So then you talked about it, and, you know, when you started the studio, you were still doing composing, still doing your own thing outside mm-hmm. of that. Are you still, or is this full-time job now exploding? I mean, it is, is certainly full-time job, but I, I do, I have done... Other projects like I, I've been doing a summer TV series called Zoo that's on CBS. Okay, and we'll we just did our second season last summer. Nice. And so you know that's that it's a thing I enjoy doing, and I still learn stuff, and I feel like that makes me a better composer and better at doing work on Divide. You know, working with other working with other uh, storytellers helps me learn stuff. Of course, yeah, yeah. And it helps me learn how to be a better storyteller, and. And also that those kinds of works help helps us keep fully independent. Like that helps us pay. Like those those jobs help pay for the studio. We don't have to go get a bunch of outside funding, yeah. and then have a bunch of other people giving us deadlines and, and cooks in and, the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We wanted to make a game and just let and we just sort of slowly figured out what that was and we could take our time and reveal it when we were ready. Right, right, right. And here you are. So how do you feel right now? Two days before it comes out. It's, Wink, wink. Oh yeah, yeah remember this they won this post. Won this post. Wink, wink. Uh, in February, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> and terrified at the same time. Yeah, because you know, uh, I'm excited that people are going to be this, see this thing that we've been working on for a long time, but I'm also terrified that you know people are going to see this thing that we've been working on a long time and they're either going to be this is cool, this sucks, or yeah, whatever. You know, yeah, it's yeah. just like you don't know necessarily know. What the, I mean, we've gotten positive responses from when, whenever we've shown it. That's always promising, but you never know, and that's always the terrifying thing. It's like you're putting, you're putting your your name out there, and we worked on this thing. This thing is meaningful to us. Yeah. And then people now have a right to decide whether they think it is meaningful or not. Because yeah, this has got to be. I mean, this is a dumb question, but it's completely different, right? Than a game you've worked on with your music in it, great coming out. Right. Yeah. It's like you know, with a with a big game. And that's also a difference between a big game and a small game. With a big game where there's hundreds of people working on it, there's there's no one person. Like if something wasn't working in the game, there's no like one person that was responsible for sure. that. It's just, you know, it just it just happens. Whereas like on a small team, it's like we have we all have a lot of control and personal investment in it. So it's almost like you can blame us if you don't like something. <laughs> You're going to literally be able to walk over and like, why did you say do that in that level? We, I and I'll probably be able to tell you, but... <laughs> and you will. <laughs> so... I know it's uh, soon you're releasing this. W- what do you then see for exploding too? But do you want to keep doing this? Is this the future? Are you already working pre pre pro on different ideas and stuff? Yeah. So, you know, we have, we have several ideas for like, uh, we, we want to, we, we certainly have a follow up for divide yeah. planned. And I've actually been working on like every now and then working on the concept of that for like the last two years, nice. two or three years, maybe, uh, 
and just sort of it's just slowly been gestating in the background and like gets updated every now and then every time you know and as our this game goes along with that brings ideas to what that game could be and but we also want to do uh, a couple of little small things that are a shorter dev cycle to just like be able to experiment sure. without taking a bunch of years stretch your legs right get yeah, some things yeah just like let's try something small and efficient uh, that's fun that doesn't take forever to come out I have to imagine that's that was one of the things you found right in this cycle for I mean cuz how long do you even say divide's been worked on Yeah I mean I we first we 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 hired the first people in August of 2012. So it's okay. been like almost four and a half years. Yeah, so okay, it's okay. a very long time. You know, you hear about why games take so long. It's like they just take forever. And they, you know, we thought, you know, two years and then became three and then became four. You know, it's, it's and the scope of the game kind of grows and shrinks and grows until you finally find this is what the game should be. And it takes a long time to discover that, especially when you're just starting from the ground up. And that's got to be the thing, right? I would yeah. imagine being a composer for so long and now, okay, we're going to go start our own studio, make our own game, do all these different things. You suddenly get in there and you're like, I never thought about how X had to happen or how this went to, how, like, you know what I mean? I would imagine your next game, whether it's small or even the same size, would be a smoother process because now you know what a timeline is supposed to look like and what the journey is supposed to look like exactly. in some respect. Yeah, 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 we're, you know, I can definitely tell you we're very excited to take all of our lessons learned to the next project. Yeah. What do you think your biggest takeaway was? What, what was your biggest lesson from your switch over here? Oh God, but there's just so many. A lot of a lot of it is just technical things. Like now we understand how this works and how this didn't work and it took us a while to find like you know, when you start out you think it's gonna be this way and then this system evolves into something else, but you started out with these things and so you're kinda of shoehorning things on top of yeah on top of things. It's like, okay, if we had to start over, we would do it this way and this would make all this other stuff more efficient. And it's a lot of it is just is just about take it just a lot of things just take up an unnecessary amount of time and it's just that that's a lot of what it is it's about saving time a lot of the time <laughs> and, but you know it's also about figuring out problems i mean storytelling is figuring out problems making games is figuring sure. out problems like you 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 have an idea of an, in your head and you're like okay well how do we earn this okay well, we have to have this character have this trait mm. or this has to happen in order for this for us to feel like we deserve this some of the other things have to happen. Okay, well, how do we go about accomplishing these things? How do we go about accomplishing these things in a game and what you're playing? Sure. And which you can kind of control the pacing. Like, these are all really challenging things to, to go. Where in a movie, the director and the editors can set the pacing exactly how they want it. Whereas in a game, you can't really... You got to let the player set his own pacing a lot of the time. Wow. It sounds very complicated. Like it is. It hurt my head <laughs> and break my heart as I watch beta testers fly through things and whatever. So is that... How, for you then when you're finishing up the game do you are you inviting friends and family in to play it and then that's how you go and how's this going and then you make system changes or story beats changes from there yeah a lot of it is us playing and then uh friends that we have over you know it's good to get someone who who has been in the project just have a fresh pair of eyes on yeah, it yeah. i think one of the the biggest uh things was when we went to psx earlier this year and had demos that people coming up and just playing it for the first time yeah you know we we it was almost like that was our most valuable qa testing because we got to see like little things like oh we gotta fix that 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 yeah and then also just to see how when people what people picked up on what they did not pick up on uh it's harder when you're when you're an indie studio because it's like you don't have the resources to pay a big qa team to give you a bunch of qa right you just have to kind of you know, all everyone working on our game has been in the industry a long time and has shipped several games. So you just kind of got to rely on your past experience to just be like, or just try to be critical of it, try to separate yourself and just be like, all right, what is working? What's not working? You know, the goal is just to make this as good as we can make it. And it's eventually you get over the like criticizing your own work. And you're like, yeah, that sucks. Let's not do that. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you just kind of got to get over that. Take the lumps and keep going, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, big question about Divide. Does it have a platinum trophy? It does not. God damn it. It's a small scope game. You should have leaned on him. Well, My name know, is Mayo. That's all you got to ever say. You know, I didn't want to, like, this is our first game. so <laughs> You don't want to burn the bridges and piss off. I didn't, didn't want to, like, get. can you let us have a platinum trophy? We certainly could have thought of stuff to, to, to go to the platinum trophy. I know people like them. But, you know, may, maybe we'll get to do that for a future project. You know, I, it's it's hard to say what the rules are because it's like, yeah. like, you Firewatch, they, they're pretty, that was a pretty uh, game, the game that had, you know, telltale veterans yeah it had a good pedigree of, of people who were working on it they didn't get a platinum trophy sure 
So, they didn't have Colin so I, I don't even know. Like, what is the smallest game that has a platinum trophy? Do you know? Uh, I mean, my name is Mayo. It's just tapping. Taco Master has one. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, like, doesn't ta- Abs Animals have one? And that's like just two seconds. It's like five minutes you get a platinum trophy, I think, for that one. But I don't think Sony would be very happy about that. The thing about Sony is, and this is, you can tell every indie developer, they're asleep at the wheel in the business. Because from what I understand, it goes like this. Here's my game. All right, cool. Here's it back. It doesn't get a platinum trophy. Oh, that sucks. All right, bye. When it would just be, no, put a platinum trophy in it. And they go, all right. I think it's you just, know, you got to push on them. Maybe, but no maybe one, I didn't push on them hard. So, well, no, sorry it's, I sorry mean, for those looking forward to a platinum It's trophy. fine. We just joke around about it, but I got to ask the question. You know, but I mean, think Kojima got it with Ground Zero, so you're fine. He, I mean, he didn't get one either. And that, it, come on. That's well, he Kojima. didn't get one with oh, Ground Zero, as I'm okay. saying. Like, yeah, it's just that thing. He's got to be. I understand your point. You don't want to be one of those annoying people. I understand. You're starting this thing strong. Uh, Chris, what would you, so I, you, you've, you got these two, you got feet in two camps here for somebody watching right now who wants to get into making video game music. What advice do you have for them? And then same thing for somebody who wants to get into making their own game. What advice do you have for them? Uh, as far as making music for video games, I think your best bet is to just work on something and just try and find indie projects that need music. Uh, mm when it comes to working uh for low pay or free i always you know it's good to just say the first one's free um you know but make if someone, that connection make that name yeah right? make yeah. the connection and then if if things go well then you know the the second one you know charge some money for uh but 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 as far as like getting good at, at making music for games like have a perspective have an opinion uh play a lot of games but listen to a lot of music and even things that you don't think you'll like, because chances are you might mm, find something mm. about the music that you connect with and be like, well, you know what? I could, this is an interesting little snippet of an idea. I might be able to do my own thing with that and integrate it with what I'm doing. Nice. And then that's just another thing that makes your music a little more, a, a, a bit a bit more more unique is not a real qualifier, but... Uh, Well-rounded, I would think. Yes. Even your own library. Your or own, or your it own. gives you a, a much more... Uh, of its own personality it, it, it's, it's a little bit more you when you're take like i feel like like i didn't you know i i had all the thing the music i loved growing up and and i was trying often to either replicate that or learn or replicate it even just for the sake of like learning how they did it like yeah you know it's like when i list listening to a john williams score in the 90s uh it's almost intimidating. Like, how can you possibly ever write something like that? <laughs> but, and, and I'm not and this. And just on, just on a listening level. Now I've had so much experience working with orchestras. Now I can hear things like, Oh, I can hear the, I can hear the individual pieces and see them in my head a lot yeah, better yeah, yeah. than I could. And, but the, the thing is like, I, I feel like, and I'm going to always champion story in games. So I feel like you should also watch movies, find your favorite movies and scenes and, and find where, where does music come in? What is it doing? Uh, why do they choose here to come in in this type of music and, and, tr- and trying to figure out, well, what is the scene? What, what is the subtext of the scene? And once you understand that, you'll have more insight into why the music was made that way for whether it was the wrong decision in your opinion or the right decision. Right. And like, that's the kind of stuff I think, needs to be brought to games more because a lot of games just take the, I feel like there's two approaches to games. There's, there's games where the soundtracks are integral to the story and the characters. And there's games where the soundtracks are literally just like a playlist of songs that sound cool. And those can be fun, but I, those are so much less in, that's so much less interesting to me because it's like, well then I'll just, why don't you just make an iTunes album and I'll just listen to it. Why do I need to play this game to listen to this music? Mm -hmm. Whereas a, a game, where a music that's written for a game that's in, in, that's integral to the actual story and gameplay experience is like, well, this music was created for this purpose and it and it fits you know more like a glove and like those are the kinds of kinds of music that I'm interested that I'm interested in and I would encourage other people to to explore. Like, I think there's a lot of people that are interested in it and don't realize they're interested in right because there is that thing that you're talking about when a soundtrack or score for a game stands out, you remember it and you do talk about it, but I don't think it ever really reflects back the other way of like, well, I'm doing it because this is exceptional. This is doing something different, at least for somebody like me, who's not like, you know, musically minded like you, whereas so many other games are. Yeah. It's just the fucking Madden soundtrack beforehand. Right. Where I see, I hear lucky boys confusion or some rapper I've never heard of. I'm like, great. And then I just go and play and I don't think about it. Right. But that's, that's also replicating a, you know, a sports broadcast. Well, no, no, I was just throwing Madden out. I mean, like that for a game that's not like Madden. Yeah, no, no, I know. I'm not saying Madden does fine with this music. Don't you worry about Madden. All right. I'm not worried about Madden. Good. Don't worry about man. And then what about for somebody who's trying to make games? Well, 
you know, I came from a, a strange place to making games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I, I would just, I would just encourage you to just to, to try and experimenting, make, make like, make a small, like uh, JD tells me this all the time. The, you make a front end, make a game where you can start the game, play it and quit out to a menu and, and quit. And like, you need to, you need to, you need to get the startup to playing to quitting like get something like that. Like don't worry about how long it needs to be because if you sit there with all your ambitions, you'll never complete anything. And if mm, you never complete mm-hmm. anything, you don't really have a good idea of what it actually takes to make a game. Like starting a game, start starting an idea for a game is totally different than finishing a game. Okay. Finish a game. You finish f- making a game. You just make a small game. game. Make a tiny little puzzle game. Just anything that involves you having to go through all the, you know, you're going to have to do all the boring stuff like making a menu and figuring out how to save the game or or the options menu or starting it and quitting. Like all these logistics are things that you got to, like if once you know how to do that, then you can start comfortably making things that you're more interested in. And then you can use that as your demo reel to like get a job mm. with a bigger company or a small company to then, um, you know, get more experience working with other people because, you know, this medium as well as making movies and TV is a collaborative process and you kind of got to put your ego aside a little bit and do what's best for the project. And that's a whole other set of skills to learn. Yeah. (laughs) Is is like, is coming in and trying to find where your place is and where you're going to most help the game itself be the best game it can be. You get, it's, it's not... You know, it's it's the game's not about the composer. It's not about the designer. It's not about this. It's about all these people crafting something that players will hopefully enjoy and feel like they're they're spending. They're not wasting their time. You don't want to waste anyone's time. Sure, Chris. Yeah, I'm very proud of you. It's a weird thing to say because I I'm very proud of you too, Greg. Thank you, thank you. But I mean, like for knowing you so long and knowing you from humble beginnings on the IGN boards, you're just like every other best friend out there. And now look at you putting out your first game. I know that's scary. Yeah, Uh, divide. Out January 31st, of course, on PlayStation 4, eventually on PC. Eventually, we'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. We'll figure that out. We'll, we'll make announcements for all those things as soon as we can. You know, I know I know people, like, we've, got, we've gotten a lot of people from, from Europe asking about the game, and I feel bad that we haven't been able to, uh, to really uh, have the translation up front, but we're going we're gonna to get to that as fast as we can so we can, get, so we can get it out as many places as we can. Good. So January 31st probably out by the time you see this remember if you're seeing this at the end of february or beyond you could have seen it earlier by supporting us on patreon.com slash kind of funny games no big deal that you don't or do just this is one of your perks if you do it just a dollar more gets you bonus episode early and you would have known about divide before all your friends and then you could have been like cool but instead everybody's telling you about divide and you had your chance to be cool and you blew it and that's why you don't have a date to prom i'm sorry if you would have talked about divide kathy would have gone to the prom with you it sucks to be you ted until next time ladies and gentlemen it's been our pleasure to serve you